there, I'm Mandy Yakut from Creative Matters, and you're listening to Creative Matters On Air, where I have conversations with new and established artists from around New Zealand. I love to listen to artists' stories and learn about their creative process, and maybe you do too, which is why I've made this podcast, to inspire, inform and educate. I hope you can take away something positive and encouraging from each of these amazing stories to help you on your own creative journey. Welcome to Creative Matters, Episode 15. Thank you so much for listening. Today I'm talking to Sharon Keatley. Sharon is a passionate quilt pattern designer and a quilt maker from Auckland, New Zealand. A self-confessed lover of reproduction fabrics, her favourite thing to do is applique, using pieced blocks to complete the quilt. Sharon loves to design and make quilts and share her patterns and her fondness of vintage and reproduction fabrics. Experimenting with this range of unique fabric styles allows her to add her own historical vision into her design work. You can see her beautiful work on her blog on our website creativematters.co.nz and also see her patterns and quilts on her website sharonkeatleyquilts.com. Welcome to Creative Matters On Air, Sharon. Thank you so much for having me, Mandy. It's lovely to have you here, and um, you were recommended by a friend of mine um, to talk to, so I'm sure I can trust her judgment, and you're going to be really interesting to listen to. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) And also, um, last weekend, we happened to... Well, the weekend before, we happened to bump into each other at the Wolf Fest, didn't we? So that's not the usual place I hang out, but, um, you know, it was nice to meet you then. Yeah, Yeah, it was great to meet you because then I don't feel quite so nervous at the moment. Exactly. (laughs) It's not so strange. Okay, so, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing all about it. Now, um, Sharon is, as I said, a quilt maker and a quilt pattern designer And as we were just saying earlier, Sharon and I, it's going to be interesting for me because I don't know a lot about this practice or the process really. So I'm looking forward to learning more. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, It's something that I suppose there are a lot of people who don't know much about, except for us quilters, of course. Yeah, yeah. So getting the word out will be good. So um, let's just go right back to the beginning and can you tell us where you were born and what your childhood was like and when you started getting creative? Okay, Um, well I was born in Kaitaia. I grew up in a little town, Kauhukauhu, on the Hokiang Harbour. Mm -hmm, I know that well, Mm -hmm. beautiful. Yeah, it was very beautiful. My parents owned a dairy farm. So I grew up around lots of animals, lots of horses and cow, cow, dairy cows, of course, um, dogs and you name it. We had it. Cats. <laughs> lots of pets. Um, and it was a great place to grow up. There was a lot of freedom. Um, I loved the nature, the farm. I used to spend hours and hours just out walking on the farm and helping Dad, of course, get the cows in early, early in the morning with the fog still sitting on the harbour. It was just an amazing memories. Mm. Um, My mum was very creative. Well, both my parents were actually, but my mother 
was an amazing dressmaker. And so she made all of our clothes. Uh, I could just see a picture in a book and tell her what I wanted and she would make it. So I had that. She taught my sister and I how to sew. So we had these amazing days together in her little sunroom where her sewing machine was and the three of us would just sew. Kaitaia was one of our closest towns, which was about an hour and a half's drive. Mm. And I can still remember when the Mangamuka Gorge was a metal road. Um, we would go there probably once every six months at the most and the first place mum would go would be the fabric shop and she'd buy enough fabric for us to have, you know, for our clothes for that next season or whatever and I would get to choose what fabric I'd have for a dress or whatever it was and we'd come home and sew them up. How amazing. (laughs) And that, you know, at the time, it was just what she did. Mm. But now I look back and my sister and I both like cherish the fact that we had that with her. Mm. Uh, she also knitted all our jumpers, sewed, um, crocheted, done all of that. She had an amazing garden, flower garden. I know all the names to flowers and things, although I don't think I'm that great a gardener, but I know it all because of mum. Mm. Yeah, she was really creative. Mm. She played the piano and she sang in the choir and yeah, so I had that experience mm. when I was young and she would always be behind us. If we wanted to do something, she would be like right in their boots and all helping us or, you know, cheering us along. Uh, Dad was very quiet, um, very solid sort of person farming stock yeah a hard worker but he also had a love for wood and he made a lot he would build extensions on our homes he got into wood turning when he retired and yeah he was very creative as well in Mm. his own way Mm, well it's a really creative family yeah and did Uh, your mum did when she looked at um the pictures that you showed her for making clothes, did she actually make a pattern up or just no. freestyle? No, she would just grab um, patterns that she had and say, okay, I'll have those sleeves off that pattern and this, you know, front or whatever, and I'll put this gathering in or wherever I want it. You know, she would just make it up as she went along. Mm, wow, <laughs> amazing. Yeah. That's so great to see that sort of talent. Absolutely. And when... I used to try and say to her, look, I just want to make my own dress f- from start to finish and I want to follow the pattern. And she <laughs> she would look at the pattern and say, well, that's not how you do it. You've got to do <laughs> So I never really got to do it, you know, from start to finish by myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And she'd say, well, I paid a lot for the mo- um, money for that fabric. Oh, I think I better put the zip in. she was quite protective of her craft she was very much a perfectionist as Mm, well mm. so if it wasn't right it had to be unpicked it was never like that'll do yeah which (laughs) had to be right and it's good for you to learn that as a quilt maker now I guess absolutely good habits her mum my grandmother would come and stay um, long weekends and general holidays and she would sit on the couch and knit and crochet those fine doilies, bedspreads, 
those kinds of things. And she used to take orders from people and sell her work. And she was very strict and most of the time quite grumpy. <laughs> um, and we were all a little bit weary of her, to be quite honest. But if I sat with her, she would teach me how to do all of that. And she would actually be lovely. Mm. But, yeah, she could be a bit, yeah. Mm, that generation. Children are to be seen and not heard. Exactly. So we always had to be on our best behaviour when Nana come to stay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. And uh, so did you imagine, you know, at that time where obviously you were getting quite proficient with those kind of skills, did you imagine that would be something you would do as an adult? No. No, not at all. I knew that I would always sew and knit and crochet. Um, I knew that was something that I loved to do and I always made my own clothes, you know, when I first left home and, and things because obviously it was cheaper for me to do that. Um, and I made my children's clothes when they were young, but it was never something I thought would be something I could do as a profession. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing. So um, I learned piano when I was young. I think mum started teaching me when I was six, roundabout. But I never really sat any exams or anything um, as a young child. I just learned for pleasure. And when I got to around about, I think I might have been pregnant with my eldest son I decided I would like to sit the exams so mum and dad said that they would pay for my tuition if that's what I wanted to do and they brought me a piano for my 21st which was amazing Mm. so I then studied and sat on my exams up to I think grade eight was the last one I passed and sat um, so that I could teach music Mm. so that was what I was going to do Mm mm-hmm Mm. <laughs> Interesting. So what happened? Um, I did start teaching children how to play the piano um, and I really enjoyed it for a while. Uh, then we moved out to South Head, which was actually right next to a school. Mm-hmm. Um, Wainiki. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I started teaching young children from Wainiki, the old one or two as well. Um, but it just became quite difficult because my boys would come home from school at the same time that I was teaching young children and, it, you know, they would need me for different things. And, yeah, so it just become a bit bit more difficult to do mm. that. So I thought I'd just have a break for a while until they were kind of gone. But mm. then I didn't really go back to it. <laughs> well, there you go. And, um, you know, obviously you you were – as a hobby, you know, you were you were sewing and doing all these things anyway, mm-hmm. but how, you know, when did the shift happen where it became more of a profession? Um, well, as my boys grew up, my eldest boy is IT and he had gone to Unitech to do a computer science degree, which he... He only did six months off, by the way. But his friend that had met there was a uh, doing website design, 
And James had just um, designed uh, his first lot of websites and wanted some people to trial them. And Derek had seen that I had started writing the odd pattern or two. And he said, Mum, I think you need a website. And this is way back, like 2007, around about. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know, you know, how to do a website, let alone think about the fact that I needed one. <laughs> but he convinced me. So I thought, okay, I'll give it a try. And and that's sort of where it started. You know, I decided, well, I've got this website. I've got to do something with it. Mm, well, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, so you you weren't really thinking of it as a business as such until, no. until then. No. I, well, I won't say I wasn't. I wasn't thinking it would become what it has. Mm. I kind of wanted to earn a little bit of pocket money and I thought I might just develop a few patterns and just see how they would go. Mm. And I also kind of thought I'd make cushions or bags <laughs> and sell them to shops or something mm. and just, you know, earn a bit of pocket money. Mm. And at that stage, was it more made things that you were thinking about selling with the odd mm. pattern? It was, yeah. Um but with a quilt, it takes a long time to make one. Um, and I kind of don't, I didn't really want to go down the path where somebody said, I want this and this color and that color and I want this design. Um, I think it would have done my head in, to be quite honest. I needed to just be able to create them as I wanted it to look I was kind mm. of on my own little path mm. of what I wanted to do well that's your expressing your own creativity yeah and I thought if they like them once they're made yeah yeah <laughs> but then it's like how much how much are they worth because I couldn't charge by the hour because <laughs> mm. it would be worth way you know way more than somebody could afford to pay for it so I you know, I obviously followed people through books and at that stage there was no internet really sort of social media mm. or anything. Mm. Um, so it was mostly books and other patterns that I'd seen. And I'd also seen um, in a magazine someone designing fabric, a quilter, who was working for a fabric company and I thought, wonderful. Wouldn't that be great for a fabric company to supply you with fabric and you just design the quilts for them? Mm. So I thought that would be quite a cool thing mm. to do. And I did do a bit of that in the end. Um, and it was fine. But I found that I got stuck with the fact that a fabric line only has so many um, pieces of fabric in it. And some of them are repetitive, but just in different colours. So I found that hard to create a quilt out of just that selected mm. amount of fabric mm. pieces. Although, you know, it's possible, but I found the quilts end up a little bit boring for me. Mm. And I like to put many, many, many pieces of fabric in. Yeah. And that's part of your process, obviously, the selection of fabric. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. is, I mean, we'll talk about your process from beginning to end in a minute. Mm -hmm. But is part of that interest with fabric also got something to do with actually sourcing it and um, 
you know, talking to people and making connections and traveling to get fabric and is it that whole idea around it? Uh, well, fabric for me, um, it's been like I follow mostly vintage quilts or antique quilts, I suppose I'd like to call them, that go way back in history, um, 1800s, around about that era. And so there are a small amount actually really um, in the big scheme of things who reproduce those fabrics and those are the ones that I like to source mm. and find mm. and recreate. Not the not the actual quilt from the 1800s, but I like to – I get inspired by those quilts mm. where I might take a part of the border or an idea will spark from looking at one um, – and that's when I'll just start on my own journey of creating something that is um, doesn't always look like an 1800 quilt, but has some part of it from there. Mm, has a connection. Yeah. And what, what interests you about the antique fabrics and that, that era? Well, yeah, it's probably been a journey that I've been on right from the start where I've tried all different genres of quilting. There is a genre called art quilts where you um, make landscape quilts that look like landscapes or of animals mm. or, um, you know, some pictorial type of quilt. And I've tried doing that and I've tried um, – you know, recreating a, a scene that I might have a photograph of and that kind of thing. But I, I realised early on that I, that just wasn't for me because nature and, and pictorials have certain colours, which are green, brown and blue mostly. Mm, yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and I kind of really love floral fabrics. Mm. So I guess that's what drew me to the reproductions was they have these amazing um, floral fabrics that are kind of um, they're not they sort of have some of them have a French look to them mm. or um, yeah it's hard to explain mm. really but that it's just I don't know and it's the colours they're not they're not bright they're kind of murky um, yeah. Mm, <laughs> interesting. And with the going back to the the landscape idea um, of that type of quilting, mm. could you is, is there a possibility for sort of making an abstract view of a landscape um, using different fabrics yep. that aren't actually the right colours? I mean, yep. is that something more of an abstract view of a landscape? Is that something that could happen with quilting? Yep, absolutely. And a lot of people do that as well. You know, they'll use um, a lot of uh, floral and, and different types of fabric and create beautiful, like, um, pictorial quilts. Mm. And, and that is something that, that used to inspire me as well. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess you just find your niche mm. and you find what works for you. And I also love the geometrics of the patchwork Mm. Um, and I think that that's what draws me back all the time is I love that fact that 
I can also cuddle up with my quilt at night or I can put it on my bed or whatever. But a pictorial quilt mainly you would put on the wall. Right. But I can put my quilts on the wall as well. Yeah. So I guess that's part of what I'm what I love about it. It's, mm. it's, it's hard to say. Mm. <laughs> it's hard to put it into yeah. to words. Well, I guess it sort of goes back to your childhood where you're sort of making things that can be used. Mm. Yes, very yeah. much so. And yeah. also, you know, I wonder if the floral connection goes back to your mum's garden. Yeah. Yeah, I never really thought about that. Um, yeah, it possibly does. Mm. So uh, just going back to your process, you know, talking to someone like me who doesn't have a lot of experience with quilting, can you talk us through how you would how you would approach making a quilt? Uh, yeah, um, there's more than one way that usually, as I say, I, sometimes I get inspired by a picture that I've seen of a quilt, and and sometimes it can be the colours, sometimes it can be a a pattern or a block in that quilt that makes me think that I'd quite like to play around more with that block. Um, sometimes it's a technique that I'm trying to um, develop more. Uh, but And sometimes it's the fabric, just the fabric. Mm. Um, so I make scrap, what's called scrap quilts as well. And scrap quilts are like when you finished using selected fabrics that you've selected for another quilt and there are, and there's pieces left over, they are called scraps. And then you cut them up and make a, a what bonus quilt, really. Um, it was said that back in the day when women had to make quilts for warmth, that they would gather as many small pieces as possible from friends and they would swap their scraps and things to to make these quilts, which is a lovely story. Mm. I'm not I'm not quite sure whether it's, you know, true or not. Mm. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Um but so I would take take all my scraps and because I use mainly reproductions, most of them fit together. All blend together as far as colours concerned, mm-hmm. um, and I just excuse me. <clears throat> I love to see how one colour and design of fabric sits next to another, and when you sew it together, the colour combinations that you can make mm. from all of these different pieces, and I uh, you know I would sew them into a traditional quilt block. What's a quilt block? Um, well, quilt block is, is quilts are made up of blocks. They're called blocks. So you might have five blocks long and five blocks down, and then you sew them all together, and that forms the quilt. Right. Yeah. So you might have a block that's a star. You might right. have a block that's um, a tree. Mm. All all sorts of different ones through. From from that period of eighteen hundreds through, there are an amazing amount of blocks that have been designed by women way back then when they, you know, when they didn't have the sewing machines and tools and mm. everything that we've got now, mm. or even the drafting and um, computers that we use to design with, you know. Mm. So it's amazing what they accomplished. Yeah, it's incredible. 
And so those are the blocks that I use, their designs from way back then that I use in my quilts. Um, Sometimes it'll be something that I might have tweaked a bit or changed a little bit in to make it more um, personal to me. But most of the time it's straight from their design right back in the day. Mm. Um, And I love to find antique quilts with something different that I've never seen before. And use that as well. Mm. And what sort of things would be different, could be different? Um, Well, there was one quilt I made and it had a complete, like, basket blocks with baskets and were really, really popular. But this particular basket block I had never seen anywhere. Um, So I really liked that. So I sort of copied that. That's great. Yeah. So it's like you're honoring something that's happened in the past. Happened in the past, absolutely. Yeah. And there's a lot of history goes back to those women that made those quilts in the past. Mm. And there are quilt historians who devote their life to studying those people. Wow. Yeah, which is really cool. Mm. Yeah. So back from the blocks, what happens next? Okay, so you make make the blocks – um, especially in a scrap quilt. So with me, I might make one block and then uh, if I really like it, I might make, you know, more. Um, and I have a design wall, which is just a f- foam core board that's up on the wall so I can stand and look at it straight on. Mm. So I put all my blocks up there and then I play around with them until I get a combination that I like. Mm. And once I get a combination that I like, it inspires me to, you know, make the rest of the quilt. Build on that. And through that whole process, you're making decisions on, you know, you might put a sashing in, and a sashing is a strip of fabric that you put in between the blocks, mm. um, or you might put different types of borders on so you have to decide is it going to be a pieced border and by pieced I mean it's like the blocks where you're sewing in small pieces together Mm -hmm. or you might just put one big piece of fabric and call that a border so you're constantly making decisions between design and color Mm. as you go along Mm. so creative isn't it yeah yeah Yeah, and it's really fun Mm. um and and as I'm going now I will be writing up my design um, and now I use the computer. I, originally I would um, start just mapping it out by hand on a piece of paper. Mm. But somewhere along in my process early on, I decided I wanted it to look a bit more professional than that when I sold the pattern. Mm. So I taught myself how to use um, Adobe Illustrator and InDesign and Photoshop. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I can write the design up, draw it up on Illustrator. Um, so each process of part of the design, um, so I'm not sewing and then think, oh, I don't like that. So I've sewn a whole lot of stuff that I don't like. I'll um, work out the next part of the design on my computer and think right now now I know where I'm going a bit more okay that's interesting yeah so you start with the actual blocks on your phone board yeah and then sort of build build it up on the computer and then find the design map that Mm. looks great Mm. and along the way I can tweak it and change it if Mm. I think it needs it you know because Mm. it looks quite different from a computer screen to what it does in actual fabric and on the wall 
So sometimes what you've done on the computer, you go and you sew that and put it in it. You might think, oh, no, it's not quite right. So Mm. then, you know, you need to tweak it a little bit. But that doesn't happen, you know, all that much, but sometimes. Mm. Um, And I also do a lot of applique quilts. So with applique, it's a little bit different process. Um, I worked really hard early on when I started teaching myself how to make quilts how to sew my applique by machine because originally I did it all by hand and I didn't have enough life years in me to create all the quilts mm. that I wanted to do. Yeah. So I started developing how to do it by machine so that it looked like I'd done it by hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I absolutely love my sewing machine. That's my, If I'm at my sewing machine, I feel like I'm actually – producing and working whereas if I sit and do something by hand I feel like that's relaxation and just for fun that's interesting isn't it that's really interesting I know and I don't know what that is I think it could be because you know uh, it could stem back to mum using a sewing machine and being a dressmaker and Mm. so I'd always thought everything was done by machine Mm. so yeah and also as a as a younger person you probably it was your hobby that you did Mm. for fun when it was the hand sewing and those kind of things yeah yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So once I got prolific at doing the applique um, well enough, I started designing applique designs and I would look at um, Baltimore quilts, which is quilts that were made in Baltimore um, of a certain era. I think, I'm not sure exactly if it was 1800s or earlier, but somewhere around there. Mm. And they are just the most amazing um, celebration of applique and those women were mostly very well-to-do women who had time on their hands and could afford all the expensive fabrics and threads and tools and things mm. and so they would just sit in their parlors and get together and create applique you know very genteelly and can you explain Applique, I mean, is that cut out shapes stuck onto something, sewn, yeah. sewn onto something, well, another ap- fabric? Yeah, applique, um, you have a background fabric, which is just in general one solid fabric. And then say you wanted to put a flower design of applique onto that, you would have a template of your flower, which is for me freezer paper, which is a whole other <laughs> topic. Um, and then you would cut that out of your paper and then you would, I cut out of the fabric that I'm going to use for the flower with a, with a seam allowance. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you turn the edges over and then you apply it onto the background mm-hmm. by stitching it on either by machine or hand. Yeah. So that's applique in a really rough general way of explaining mm. it. Um. Yeah, so for me, as I said, it was usually one solid background. But as I've developed, I I guess it's my style. I, I don't think of myself as having a style. But as I've developed my quilts over time, I love to use more than one solid back for the for the backing and mix up a whole lot of different fabrics that are of the same tone but light enough to keep the 
the applique. So the applique becomes the star of the mm. show, not the background. Yeah. But it it gives the um the applique so much more um interest. Mm. And a little bit more movement to have more mm. fabrics involved because you mm. get that light and shadow going on with the fabric. Yeah, and contrast. I yeah, guess. the contrast as well. So uh, then I sort of, my applique patterns, um, I would make one block. As I you know explained, it's the same thing. You're going to do blocks. There are whole cloth ones as well. That's a whole other thing, mm. but... <laughs> The ones that I mostly did were like one single block and then I would um, I'd have a sketchbook and just draw roughly a design um, because I find that if I draw it by hand, it was easier for me to then draw it up on the computer. Mm. I kind of had a roadmap. Yeah. Um, so then I would draw them up on the computer and use the computer um, printouts as my pattern mm. to to create the applique on blocks. Mm. And um, on my website, I've quite often sold it as what's called a block of the month. Mm-hmm. So every month um, I would put a block on there for sale and people would buy that block and in the end they would make the whole quilt with me. Oh, wow. Basically, yeah. Ooh. We can talk about that in a minute, how you, you know, what you do online, what you offer online. Mm. Um, So with the blocks, with the applique, is that sort of just creating one block and then repeating that? Or do you sort of translate or sort of turn the blocks? Is it Does it have that sort of mathematical geometry about it or is it different? Um, some of them are symmetrical, some of them aren't. And you can repeat one block. Most of the time I don't. Most of the time each block is different because I have a problem doing the same thing twice. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I think I'd be the same. <laughs> um, but they all have a bit of a theme. For me, they have a bit of a theme. Not mm. everybody, but just with what I do. Um, one of them that I made was mostly about my garden and my cat Oh. In the back of my mind, yeah. although you, you, there's no cat in the in the quilt, but it was basically about him, and it, yeah, that's nice. So is it quite? They're often quite narrative. Sometimes, I mean, it, that's basically where my inspiration come from. Mm. But it doesn't necessarily mean that my quilt looks like my garden or my cat. Mm. Um, some people's quilts can be quite graphic and can actually. You can have cats and it is their garden. But for me, it's more just that's the inspiration that I used and this is what came out of me. Mm. Um, I like that. Yeah. And some of them are based on a theme of one was just wreath blocks. You know, like you would do a Christmas wreath for your door. Well, applique blocks are based sometimes on those that wreath shape. Some can be like a heart wreath or a round wreath or a spiral wreath, that kind of thing. And so, you know, one of my quilts, I have little rules that I make up. <laughs> and one was that each block had to have that wreath shape. Um, so, yeah. Mm. And, and you know, I don't always know what it's going to look like in the end. And that's always fun. Mm. Um. And then I've also done reproductions of 
antique quilts as well, where I've uh, one just recently was a quilt made in New Zealand by an early settler back in the 1800s when, you know, New Zealand was just beginning kind of thing and she had come out originally from Scotland to Australia and then here to New Zealand um, her quilt's still at the Elms Mission House in Tauranga and you can go and see it it's on one of the beds mm. her name was Euphemia Ballinghall Maxwell <laughs> she's quite an amazing lady mm. so there's a lot of her history mm. on the internet um, about that I enjoy researching the people yeah, yeah, it's fun. Mm. And so I did a reproduction of her quilt that's in Tauranga and I rang them and asked them if I could do that and they were just really wonderful about it. Um, and, yeah, so I, I absolutely love doing that. Mm. Um, but I'm not sure I could do too much more of it because I find it hard to stay on track and stay with their thoughts. <laughs> mm, but how do you find it? I mean, you obviously, from what you've said, enjoy coming up with your own ideas and kind of responding to what you've already put down and then growing that, yeah. developing it as a practice. So yeah. how do you find reproducing when you're stuck with something that you have to make exactly mm. the same? Yeah, it it was a long journey. I started it quite a while ago, a few years, about three years ago, I think. Mm. And I put it away for quite some time but I put it away because I was had deadlines that had to be taken care of yeah. um, but even still it, it's it's tricky you know part of me is hating what I'm doing and part of me is loving it mm, yeah it's interesting <laughs> and why did you decide to even do reproductions um, I'd seen you know there are quarters who do a lot of that and they're beautiful. Mm. And I think that it's nice for that quilt to live again. Mm. If it's a special quilt that um, means, and it meant something to me as well, you know, because it had been somebody who was in New Zealand. A lot of them um, are reproduced from people in the America mm. or England, you know. Um, they have much stronger, longer history than us with all of this. Mm. Whereas to me, I thought it was quite special that there were actually women in New Zealand who were doing it. Mm. And I'd been to the Auckland Museum and they had shown me some of the quilts in the basement that had been also in New Zealand as well. Yeah. And there were some, you know, amazing quilts in there. And I thought, how you know, they're just stuck in the basement in the museum. Mm. Wouldn't it be great to have that? you know, example, you know, in the real world again. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And and they're, they're, you know, they're so old that they're going to, you know, be gone one day. Yeah. Also. So you're so. giving them a new life almost. Yeah. And, yeah. For, and it gives other people the opportunity to make them as well, mm. you know, because I'll turn them, in, I'll turn the them into patterns. Yeah. Yeah, which is nice. And then what do you do with those, you know, if you were to make one? Mm. Do you always use it yourself or do you give it away or do you use it as an example for the pattern? Um, I use it as an example for the pattern. Um, I also use it to teach. Uh, I've done quite a bit of teaching quilt making in the past. 
Um, and they, they were always my samples and, and things that I showed. Mm. It wasn't necessarily what I was teaching, but it was always interesting to students to have a look and, and see um, what could be done. Right. Um, also, yeah, and we use them. I hang them on the wall in my mm. home. Every now and again, I change them around. Beautiful. Um, and, that, and that's what, I, you know, that's something that perhaps in the future – I could get into selling them, but it's hard to know just how much they're worth. Mm. Once mm. again, there's that, that issue. Yeah, yeah. That's difficult, isn't it? It is It is a very difficult kind of thing to judge. Uh, there are, you know, there are ways and equations of working it all out, but it's not just the monetary factor mm. because – when you've spent so long with those fabrics and that time making it, it becomes part of you. Mm, I can imagine. And it's quite hard to let it go. Yeah, it's like you know, making a painting or, yes, you know, it's an art form that you mm. are so connected with. It's so personal. It is. And there's so much history in your life that's involved in it. Mm. Because like I said, you know, I started it three years ago. So Three years of my life is tied up in that quilt. Mm, Three right. years of memories of things that I was doing when I was making that quilt that yeah, were going on yeah. in my family. And things and you were thinking that. about while you were making. Yeah. Yeah, so it's actually, I've never really thought of it like that, but somebody putting in that kind of time, you're putting so much of yourself yeah. into it. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Um, I made a quilt for my youngest son. My my youngest son's been a bit of a traveller in his young life, and he was he spent three years in in London, and he was making his way home, and he was travelling as he was coming home, and I was so excited, you know, because I I just missed him so much, so I decided I would make him a quilt and. The block that I used was called Flying Home. That's was the traditional name of the block. Right. Oh no, sorry, I was wrong. That was what I called it, yeah. the quilt, um, because all quilts you give names to, okay. you name them and you label them. Um, but the quilt, the block was called Birds in the Air. Because I sort of imagined him flying mm. from one place to the other, mm. and he was with his Coming girlfriend. Back to so, his <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, once again, all those um, memories were going into that quilt as mm. I was making it. Yeah, mm. for him. So special, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. So you know, how do you go about selling? I mean, do do you actually sell? very much of what you actually make or is it more about selling the patterns? I don't think I've ever sold, a, no, I have never sold a quilt. Wow. Um, I've given quilts away to family members and friends. Um, but no, I, I've never sold a quilt. <laughs> wow. So uh, I guess the, the business model with that is, is tricky, isn't it? So Yeah. So just, um, I mean, have you finished speaking about your actual process? Yeah. There's nothing else you'd like to add uh, before we start talking about your business? No, I don't think so. No, it's mm. pretty much. It's really interesting. Mm. It actually makes me feel quite inspired. <laughs> Good. What you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, my mum was a dressmaker also and I was but anti-sewing really. Yeah. Um, so I have, and I'm not really one for taking lots of steps to get to something. It's I'm a bit more of a yeah 
Thrill seeker, I need to get to the end <laughs> more quickly. Well, you know, I would have thought myself as being like that. Um, but I guess it's a process and I enjoy every part of that process. Mm. So, you know, um, to start with, it's thinking about the design and then it's choosing the fabrics mm. and then it's piecing them together. And then it's um, think, once again thinking about the design to get it finished. And then it's also the quilting. You know, the quilting is a whole other story. Yeah. So what is quilting, the, the sewing, the attaching? Yeah, so the, you have three layers. So you've when you've made a quilt top, that's just the top that you've made, mm. and then you sandwich it together with um, a backing fabric, which is quite often one solid fabric again, but you can piece it together as well. And then you have a, what's called a batting, which is um, – usually wool or cotton or a blend of of things um, and then you layer them together with pins or there's several ways of doing that and then you put it under the, either the sewing machine or some people have big long arm quilting machines specifically made for that but I just use my um, sewing machine and you stitch over the top of it to quilt it and you either mm. do that, um, what's called free motion, which means you don't have any feed dogs. You lower the feed dogs on your sewing machine and you can move from side to side in any direction that you want. Oh, wow. Um, or you have um, just a what's called a walking foot because you have three layers. You need a foot that is going to move um, properly over the fabric. So a walking foot will... Um, it's like when you have a feed dog, the feed dog feeds the fabric through from the bottom, mm. but not the top. And the feed, the walking foot will feed it th through from the top as well. Okay. So you have both layers being fed through evenly at the same time. Wow. And that will do straight lines for you. Yeah, Interesting. So, well, there's so much to it, isn't there, really? Yeah. There's probably so much more that you haven't even touched on. So, yeah. So with the quilting, that's a whole other design process. So yeah. you can do any design you want on your quilt. With, and then there's thread. <laughs> wow. And, and there's yeah. a whole other story. And another design aspect. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You can choose different threads from metallic right through to mm. very, very fine. Yeah. And I guess the, the quilting or the fabric shops or the, the thread shops are your happy places alongside being at your sewing machine. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's like gardeners <laughs> who love going to gardening stores, mm. garden centres. I love all the tools and the yeah. um, notions and things that mm. you can use. Mm. Yeah, it's great. It's good fun. It's mm. a real sort of encompassing craft or art, isn't it? Mm. Really. Yeah, it's so nice to talk to you about this because it's just it's something that I haven't really understood and, and you don't really – hear all that much about it. I think you would in quilting circles, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, like we've just done the Murray Arts show down the road and mm -hmm. we didn't have any any quilts in the show. No, because I guess perhaps I'm a little bit, I don't know, Some maybe I'm not so different, but a lot of people that quilt make them as – like they'll they'll make them for their family or whatever, and they don't really think of, and they and there are a lot that send them away to be quilted, so they don't do the quilting, so mm. they'll just do the top 
and and a long arm quilter will quilt it for them, right. which is fine. You know, yeah. that's that's fine. Mm. Um, but a lot of people are just um, it's, it is just sewing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's it's not. They look down on it. No, you know? it's it's not that they look down on it. It's kind of like a hobby, and they just. So, right. just, you know, because they're following a pattern and they're just yeah. putting it together for somebody that's a friend. or, mm. uh, And that's wonderful, you know, that they're doing mm. doing that. But it's kind of different to the way I look at it. To me, I'm creating something. Yeah. But you're still creating something to be used. Yeah. And yep. I guess, you know, there's that shift. There has been a big shift between sort of the traditional crafting that women have done for a purpose, um, and it's coming more into the art world, isn't it? I mean, do you yes. see yourself as an artist? Artist is a really hard word to say about myself, although I don't, I don't feel that I'm not an artist. Um, I just do what I do. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and it's and it something that I have to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, um, it's the first thing I think about in the morning. First thing I want to do is go to my sewing machine and I've usually been woken up because there's something going on in my mind that I need to go and sort out. Mm. Well, that's great though, isn't it, to have something you're so passionate about? It It is great, but it can be a bit of a curse <laughs> in, in one way and, a, and, and something absolutely amazing to have in the other way. Mm. And um, I'm also really really fortunate to have the family that I have who supports me through all of that yeah um my husband especially he um you know like I had the kids we have a business and that and he's always been really really busy you know working in the business and stuff and never really had the time to sort of um you know, change nappies or bath children and mm. do all that kind of thing that some of the young dads are kind of do. Um, and so when my boys were leaving home age, I felt quite guilty and thought maybe I should get a job. Get a real job. <laughs> get a real <laughs> job. And he sort of said to me, no, you don't have to do that. I want you to do something for yourself. And I want you to find that thing that you really want to do and you don't have to make money from it. Mm. And I just thought, how wonderful for someone to say that, you know, yeah. to give you that chance to mm, that's really just do what you it? want. Yeah. yeah. After yeah. all those years of not thinking of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Time. So, you know, I really have to thank him for, you know, supporting me in that way. Mm, for allowing yourself. Yeah. Allowing you that time. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And and I have to say now it's probably his time, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you know, it, it became a business. Um you mm, know, a, it did. A, a great business. And you know, when I looked into your work and your website, I just was so impressed with the way you've put it all together and all the things that are in there in your website and all the different things you're doing, you know, mm. is is incredible. So oh, thank you. You've made it a great business, and you're obviously well thought of. I've looked through your social media, and you've got lots of followers, mm. and you know that's amazing to do that. Sort of, I guess it was a little bit later in life, wasn't it, that you got yeah, into that? Um, I think we moved to Southhead when I was about thirty-seven. 
Um, and it was probably then that I really started to think about, I had more time, mm. you know, I wasn't going out quite so much because yeah. we lived so rural then. Yeah. And, you know, my boys had sort of grown up quite a bit by that stage, mm. I think. Um, so I was starting to sort of think about what what am I going to do? What mm. what's for me? And you know, mm. and so you had that website that um, your son's friend mm. created for you. Yes. So that was obviously the beginning. Yeah. But how have you managed to get it all together like this? With you know, what are the actual things that you provide through your website? Um, well, my website sort of started as I said you know, way back then. And and I had decided that I needed things to fill the website up with. (laughs) (laughs) I only had two patterns. (laughs) Um, And I kind of got into buying fabric wholesale and trying to sell fabric and thread and, you know, quilting notions Mm. on my website. Um, And then it kind of grew because I then decided, well, in order to sell fabric, you really need to have samples um, that people can see the fabric made up into whatever mm. and that sort of encourages them to make whatever that is. So then I had to use that fabric or, or part of that fabric to make whatever samples. So then that that grew my pattern business as well because I was selling the patterns that right. went with that, you know. Yeah. Um, but it, it wasn't re- really what I wanted to do. If you know what I mean, because then I felt like I was creating a shop mm. and I didn't want to be in a position where I was having to go into town to post things off all the time and be a shop where somebody said, I want this real thread in this color and, you know, you don't have it on your website. And so I thought, no, I don't really want to be in that position, mm. I want to be the one who creates the patterns. Yeah, that's the thing that lights your fire. Yeah, so that was, you know, where yeah. I really wanted to be. And I had a friend um, who helped me. At times we would do um, classes in the Helensville Lodge Hall once mm-hmm. a month, which I really enjoyed. Mm. Um, and we would take the shop stuff, like all the fabrics and, and the um, – samples and stuff in and and it was great Mm. and I had you know a lovely following of of ladies that used to come um but it started getting too much for my friend because she had a full-time job Mm. as well um and we were doing block of the months and things so it's and we'd done one one of the big shows in Auckland um and you're selling patterns through the selling patterns as well Mm. yeah yeah, I mean it's hard in business, isn't it? Just yes. kind of figuring out what to do and it was you can't finding do your path. Everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Jackie said, you know, that it was getting a bit hard for her, and I understood that. Mm. So it was either we get a premises and go the whole hog, so that she, you know, had a job as such, yeah, or not. And I just thought. I don't want to be somewhere at eight o'clock and have to stay there till no. five. And, you know, it really wasn't what I wanted to do. Mm. And I love being at home. So that was it. I decided, no, I'd continue just doing the creative bit. So then I started doing a lot of work for magazines and submitting my designs to magazines all over the world and getting my name out there. Fantastic. Because uh, I thought that 
you know, that was the way to go. <laughs> yeah. And what were you get putting in magazines? Um, my design. So I would design a quilt and I still do that mm. um, and submit it to a magazine and then I'd have to write the pattern and send the quilt to them. Um, they put it in their magazine. Send and the quilt, the finished quilt. The finished quilt. Oh, wow. And the, and the pattern. Okay. And then they would put the – they would photograph it mm-hmm. and they – put the pattern in the in the magazine Mm. and so I'd get paid for that um and then they send the quilt and everything back to me Mm. um and you sign a contract which says that you know then they all differ but most of the one most of them say like after two months of the magazine being published the rights return back to me and then I can sell the pattern on my website Wow. So that's what I've done quite a lot of. That's great. And that's quilting magazines. Quilting magazines. Yeah. Um, how, and I'm, awesome. I've been quite choosy as to which magazines yeah. I send them to. Um, there's one in France, one in England, and I've done one in America and Australia. Mm. So that, to me, was quite a good circle of the globe. Mm, totally. <laughs> yeah. A good sort of circumnavigation. Yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. And that's quite gutsy to put yourself out there like that. It was quite daunting. I started with the Australian magazine and I'd made this applique quilt that I was really, really proud of. And I thought, oh, it might, might take more than once before they'll accept one of my quilts. But it didn't. They come straight back to me and they really wanted it. And I was so over the moon and mm. so excited. And then there was they had a um they have a trade show in Australia twice a year, one in Melbourne and one in Sydney. And they were having the one in Melbourne and they wrote to me and asked me if I would mind if they had my quilt as a backdrop in their trade show stand. Wow. And I thought, oh, wow, this is great. So I got a friend and we went across and had a look (laughs) just to see what it was all about yeah so the next year I had my own stand there at Melbourne and another one um a year later in Sydney selling my patterns Mm. to shops in Australia Mm. um and so that was fun Mm. and I guess once you get yourself out there then they keep coming back for more once you've made a connection I still have some of those shops that Mm. um order my patterns I have selected shops um that I sell patterns to not I don't have a lot of them but just selected ones um in America Australia and France um mainly because my patterns are written as pdfs not as printed patterns Mm. um and I find that I'm pretty controlling and I can tr- control how they look and and with and whatever as a PDF. Mm, um, they can't mess with it. Yeah, well, they kind of can, but that's. Uh, I find that print quality doesn't always justify what I'm trying to do, and also where I live plays a big part in it. Mm. I don't want to be travelling backwards and forwards to the post shop. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, so my husband early on, really early on, told me that I should only do PDFs because that was the way of the future. <laughs> He's actually right. 
<laughs> so you just send it like on online, send it through. I don't have to do anything. It's all there. It's it happens yeah. automatically. Mm. So you've so. set up. I mean, you've actually done incredibly well. You know that you've from someone who loved to make quilts and loved to sew. You've created this empire basically with which has so many different aspects. I mean, you're dealing with magazines, your trade shows, yeah. you know, classes, pattern making. Yeah. Um, you know, you're Writing. making your quilts. Is there anything else you do within that umbrella? Um, I have written one book so far. Um, I hope to make I hope to write more. Mm. And I'm just preparing a body of quilts for the second one. Wow. And what's the book? Is it Full of patterns. It's and full of patterns. Photos of made techniques quilts. and yeah. So there's a company in America called Martingale who published lots of craft books and mm. quilt books, um, and they actually approached me, and so that was really thrilling because every year I've kind of set myself a goal of mm. where I want to be and what I want to do, and obviously the first year was to get a quilt in a magazine, and then it's like get it into a supreme magazine, you know, one that I really, really aspire to. Um, and then as I've, cre- as I've managed to um, make those goals, I've, I've um, then made another one, you know. Um, so the, the main goal for a long time has been to write a book, but I've never quite been brave enough to write out the proposal <laughs> mm, yeah, for the publisher. Yes, because you hear about the proposal sitting on someone's desk and not being seen or, mm. um, you know, what I'm going to write might not inspire them. So I've never really been, you know, confident enough to do that proposal um, because there are a lot of very good American quilters who seem to write books all the time yeah. and I've never really put myself in their in their category. And for them to actually ask me was really mm, quite amazing. Yeah. So I definitely said yes to that. And it was started off being um, a book of just a few small quilts. And then when I told them about the fact that I'd like to put my applique techniques and different things in the book, because to me, if I wrote a book and it might only might be the only book I wrote, um, I wanted that to be in there that somebody could actually learn from it mm, yeah. as well as not just being a whole lot of patterns. Yeah, and that's what you're about, isn't it? Yeah. Well? So they they then decided that they would make it a bit more of a, you know, a, more pages mm. and a bit more of a, a technique book as well, which was really great. I was so thrilled with that. Wow. And that's been published, has it? Yeah, it got published a couple of years ago. That's yeah. so fantastic, Sharon. Yeah. Congratulations. So, thank you. Yeah, and you I bet you wouldn't have imagined that, you know, when you started off. I never would have dreamed I would have been able to do something like that. No. Never, you know. Um and I certainly didn't think that my website would get me to where I am. Mm. Um You're really reaching people across the world. Yeah. With it. Yeah. And I, and your followers and you know. I wonder, how do you think you've made that happen? Um, well, a lot of it is just hard work. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's not all just sitting in your sewing room sewing. Mm. I write a lot. I've written a blog for years and 
done a lot of tutorials. Um, I've done YouTube tutorials as well. Wow, uh, amazing! <laughs> you, you, you only we've got what we've done. We've been going for one hour and three minutes, and <laughs> suddenly all this amazing stuff, even more amazing stuff, is coming. Oh, out. thank you. <laughs> yeah, well done. Well, you Carry know, it's on. hard. It's hard to think of it. It just happens. Yeah, you know, as you go along, it just. You've achieved so much. Yeah. So keep talking. Sorry, I interrupted. Well, social media, you know, which hasn't always been around. And so I guess I've had the opportunity to jump on board when it was an early thing, Mm. which has been quite good. And you've done really well with that too. I mean, you're... I think if you're passionate about something... Yeah, you want to share. And the pictures and and stories that you share are real and there's good content. Mm. I think people, I don't put pictures on every day and I don't think I ever could. And I have weeks where I don't put anything on. Mm. Um, but I think because I, what I put on is, is true to me. Yeah. It, it seems to work. Yeah, and that makes it easier, doesn't it, when it feels authentic. Yeah. And it's your passion. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So Amazing. So, so now you've got enough. a thriving business that's a full-time job. Mm, it is. And, you know, pays the bills. Yeah. And um, which was not really what you intended at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been able to, you know, um, set myself up with the money that I've earned through the business, you know, with sewing machines. And I've now got four of them, whereas I used to have to beg, borrow and steal one. Yeah. Mm. Um, and all the tools and, and fabrics that I need to do it, you know. So it's really cool. It's mm, brilliant. As well as, you know, provide things for the home. Yeah. And then a lot of joy to many people around the world. Yeah. What a yeah. privilege. And my, my youngest son is um, going to be building me a studio in the end of this year, I hope. <laughs> it keeps getting put, Shout put out back a son. little bit because he's a builder. Um, and hopefully I might be able to have a small classroom in it or, or an area where I can teach, mm, but I won't be, be teaching all the time. Maybe just, you know, once or twice a year, I'll have a small mm. group come in. That mm. sounds great. Yeah. And I hope yeah. your son still has his flying high duvet yeah. uh, quilt. Yes, he does. Yeah. Good Both man. my boys love my quilts, so that's good. Mm, yeah, that means they're a lot. very, they're very, very supportive. I'm mm. really, really lucky. That's nice. Yeah. And uh, how do you actually juggle, you know, your family life and your home, <laughs> your home and your garden, and then all those business things that you yes. that you manage and run, and then the actual making of the quilts. I mean, I'm actually surprised you don't have people working for you. Yeah. No. Well, I couldn't have anyone working for me because it all has to come from me I feel that's how I feel about it anyway and I couldn't stop that creative thing you know like if somebody else sewed it I'd feel like I was missing out on part of it yeah um I did sort of think about somebody helping me with the social media part but then I feel like it's not coming from me yeah I know exactly what you mean Sharon yeah I'm the same I have a newsletter that I write um, and my daughter-in-law Holly has been helping me with that, but it's not. She doesn't write it mm, as such. Yeah. I still write it, but she'll go and tweak it and 
you know, just make it look a bit better, mm. which is what I need. You, know? you still need your voice. You want your voice. Yeah, yeah. And she's great. Mm. You know, she's really great at that. So that helps. Um, but as far as managing all the other stuff, that's <laughs> not easy, okay? Um, I'm pretty, pretty organized person and I like – I like to, to have my house tidy. So I kind of spend an hour, you know, in the mornings tidying up the house because otherwise if I, if things are a mess, I can't create. Yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. And so, you've never thought about getting a cleaner? I kind of have had in the past and then I get, I get yeah, I can't do it. <laughs> I have to be in control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the, the control word, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. My husband just shakes his head and laughs. <laughs> I've had lawn mowing people too, and the same thing happens. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Oh, but, well, I mean, yeah. you're amazing to be able to manage it all. Yeah, well, I must admit, my garden suffers. I don't, but I had a back injury. Um, oh, when I was about forty, roundabout. And the, so the garden's always been a bit difficult since then, although mm. it was quite a passion for me before that. Mm. Um, so, yes, my garden has suffered. But I I do find that it, the comparison between getting outside, because you're sitting at a sewing machine all the time. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes I'll think it's be a beautiful day and I'll be working away in my sewing room and then I'll just look outside and I'll just stop and I'll make myself go outside for an hour and do some gardening. Mm. Because you you need to get outside, you need that yeah different motion for your body as well. Because yeah. sewing can be really hard on your body. I like to go for a walk when I can, mm. usually around the farm um, and things. But yeah, um, I don't know. It just it just happens. Mm. I just do it. it I, I do a lot of my f- you know family comes first. Mm. And so they're always taken care of first. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're an amazing woman. Thank this you. This is why my friend said to talk to you, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I mean, I can see that you are t- completely passionate about what you do and you love it. Mm. And, you know, isn't it great to be able to do something that you oh, love so much? Yeah. I know. couldn't imagine life not doing that. And what do you love most about it? Oh, I think the tactile thing of the fabric really is probably the thing I really love. And I just love the sound of the sewing machine humming, you know, um, when you know that it's working and things are going right and things are looking good. It's great. Mm, Great sense of satisfaction. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to wrap it up here, I'm afraid, Sharon. I could keep Mm -hmm. talking to you for another two hours. (laughs) There's a lot more I'd like to talk about with, um, you know, the idea of, bringing quilts into art exhibitions and you know mm-hmm. making it more accessible as a sort of valued piece of art um, and how people could manage that, you know, how you could manage to make work that could be shown and sold within your capacity. You know, it's quite, as you, as you said, it's hard to actually give up the quilt. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it would be interesting to talk more about that. Maybe we could have another chat <laughs> further down the track about that kind of thing. Um, yeah. It's quite interesting for me, but, yeah, we just don't really have time. Okay. But um, thank you so much. I have learned a lot. And as I said, I actually, my mum would be proud 
feel <laughs> like I'd like to kind of play with some fabric and, and do something interesting. I'm not sure how good I'd be at following the pattern, but, um, you know, I've just got so much admiration for what you do creatively and, and I think that you are an artist. You're obviously incredibly clever and, and creative and do amazing things and it's just really simply different tools and yeah. using a different medium, yeah. you know, it's no different to someone who's painting to me. Yeah. You're just using thread and fabric and other other media. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think you'd be absolutely justified to call yourself an artist. Thank you. And an amazing entrepreneur. Thank you very much, Mandy. <laughs> You're welcome. So, um, yeah, I'll wrap it up and um, I hope everyone's enjoyed listening to this incredible process that you go through. I'm sure they have. And, uh, yeah, good luck and look forward to the next book. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks for joining me, Sharon. Bye. Bye.